Have you ever wanted to play the perfect tabletop game where story beats run smoothly and there's no awkward pauses between dice rolls? Yeah, me too. But since that's impossible, I did the next best thing and novelized my Witcher tabletop game to showcase the story in its cleanest form. The result is this podcast. I'm Jacob Gerstel, and this is Tales from the Witcher. Part audiobook, part actual play, part serialized adventure, and a whole new way to vicariously enjoy tabletop games. Welcome to the world of The Witcher, where monsters roam freely and the continent is once again at war. If you were hoping to follow the plight of Geralt of Rivia, however, I'm not going to be doing that. Instead, I offer you the story of a not-so-merry band of degenerates who are making their way across the continent. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Rage. First things first, you need the right bait. Cold fish works best, of course, but what if your supply runs dry? Well, no fretting. The neck of a chicken works just as well, and it may be more plentiful in your region anyway. Regardless, you fill the crab catcher with whatever you can get and find tidal water. Drop it beyond the low tide line to be safe. Be sure to tie a sturdy piece of driftwood to a rope so you can find the catcher. Then, you need to exercise that all-important fishing trait. Patience. Helmi daughter, A Definitive Guide to Fish of the Great Sea 1. They were flanked, Silva saw. On one side was Devry, Asilla, and Avon, the three Verdinian hunters. On the other side were the five hooded rebels stepping out of the red portal. They wore dented metal breastplates over leather jerkins, their pinned sigils giving the mismatched armor a sense of uniformity. Zevo, Ethramel, and Jeremiah cursed and drew their weapons in unison. Silva did the same. Though her worn dagger appeared paltry compared to Zevo's steel sword, Ethramel's gnarled staff, and Jeremiah's repeating crossbow. On the other side of the Pontar River, the sorcerer opened a second portal, and the rebels dragged a kicking Armin and an unconscious Yana through it. That was all Silva got to see before the carnage started. Zevo drew his eye away from the sorcerer across the river and rushed towards the Verdinian hunters. Avon, the largest, drew back his arrow and fired. The witcher knocked it out of the air without stopping, and was on the hunter before he had a chance to knock another. Avon dropped his bow and drew his sword, parrying Zevo's first strike and taking a step back. Avon swung at Zevo, but his sword glanced off the witcher's armor. Zevo swung his sword against Avon's chest with both hands, smashing his ribcage to splinters. The hunter grunted and fell on his back. The five rebels rushed them, Knives held close to their chests. Two fell on Jeremiah, who fired a bolt from his crossbow that found its mark in one of the rebels' shoulders. The craftsman dropped his crossbow and drew his hammer, waiting to close the distance. Two more rebels fell on Ethramel, who snarled and swung his staff overhead, muttering an incantation. The final rebel rushed Silva. He was a beanpole, with a large mole over his left eye, and couldn't have been older than nineteen. He came in fast, and thrust with precision. Silva stepped to the side, and the rebel stabbed air, but he drew his arm back like a spring and stabbed again. Silva pushed the blade to the side with her own dagger, but she lost her balance in the process and stumbled back. 
the rebel again drew his arm back and readied another stab. I could use some help, Silva thought to herself, twisting her body left. The dagger sheared her dress, but fell short of gutting her stomach. When she heard nothing back, she imagined clearing her throat and thought, Some help, please. Do you want me to die? No response. Silva stepped back with her left foot and thrust her dagger towards the rebel. The rebel fainted to the side, and Silva went on the offensive, stabbing again. She heard screams and grunts and twanging arrows all around, but her focus was solely on the boy with the mole over his left eye. I get you're hurt and that I've been ignoring you, Silva thought to the voice in her head, but I need help. Silva pressed the rebel, swinging her dagger towards his throat. He knocked her arm away, leaving her open. The rebel went back on the offensive. Jump back, now, the voice in Silva's head said. Silva did as the voice said, and she avoided the rebel's thrust. But the rebel swung again. Duck, the voice said. Silva ducked, and the blade swung overhead. Use your power, Silva. You could crush this man like an insect with your magic. Pivot left. No, Silva thought back, twisting herself to avoid another knife thrust. A quick incantation in this fight will be finished, the voice said. Why draw it out? You're not honoring Corinne by refusing to use what was gifted to you. Shut up, Silva thought through clenched teeth. You don't get to decide. But if you die... I said shut up! The voice fell silent. Silva watched the rebel's arm and predicted the direction of his swing. She brought her dagger close and was prepared to strike back the moment he left himself open. But as she planted her feet in preparation to dodge, the rebel, instead of swinging his blade from the left as she had predicted, stepped back. Before Silva could reposition, he leapt at her and swung his blade. Silva felt a shard of ice open her left flank. She looked down to see a deep gash and thought it a strange sensation to see one's own blood flow out without pain. But then the pain came, fiery pinpricks around the edges of the wound as the rebel drew back his blade, a deeper, burning sear at the center. Silva bit her tongue to keep from screaming as she gripped her side. The rebel's neck strike, Silva thought with devastating clarity, would be at her neck. Silva, the thing in her head screamed. All right, Silva thought. She held out her left hand and channeled the power into it muttering a simple incantation. The power rushed out of her like a bolt from a crossbow, and she felt that familiar emptiness that always followed. The rebel froze, a look of confusion on his face. He screamed, and smoke rose from his hand that gripped the knife. Then Silva heard a bubbling, like heated water in a pot, and saw angry red boils rising on the back of the man's hand. The biggest one swelled like an overstuffed sausage before popping in a gush of blood that splattered Silva's dress. The rebel's hand suddenly burst into flame and he dropped his knife, pulling his arm close. Smoke rose from beneath the rebel's metal breastplate, and it did not take long for fire to catch on his leather jerkin. Silva watched the fire shrivel up his leather sigil. The boy tried to pull the breastplate from his chest with his uninjured hand, but it caught fire the moment it touched the metal. The voice told her that the hex had been named Forgemaster's Bane long ago by a witch with a sense of humor when he taught it to her. Watching the flames lick up the boy's arms and chest and reach his throat and face before consuming him in his screams forever, Silva thought the hex sounded much too tame. It smelled of charred pork as the rebel hit the ground, nothing more than a husk. Silva stared at the rebel's body, gripping her side. It felt tender, 
but not much blood spilled through her fingers anymore. She hoped that was a good thing. There. Are you happy? She thought numbly. Of course I am, the voice said. Aren't you happy to be alive? Silva did not answer. 2. Basila of Verdon showed no concern as Zevo closed the distance between her and Avin's corpse. She calmly raised her bow, drew her arrow back, and fired. The arrow hit true, and lodged itself into Zevo's armor, just under the armpit. The witcher grunted as he felt the arrowhead tickle his flesh, but it did little to stop his momentum. Showing the same efficiency she used to beat Jeremiah in the archery contest two days before, Asilla gracefully grabbed a second arrow, aimed, and fired. Zevo turned to the side, hearing the arrow whistle as it zoomed past his head. Only then did the bearish trace of panic etch itself onto Asilla's face. Zevo wound his arm back and swung his sword less efficiently than he liked. He broadcasted his swing too much, and Asilla had enough time to leap back and reach for another arrow. Zevo marveled at her efficiency, even under pressure. He prided himself on acting the same way during combat. But Zevo was not fighting efficiently. It was the damned sorcerer on the other side of the pontar that did it, he knew. Stesco Drawer. A newfound rage had bloomed inside of Zevo. A rage he didn't know he had until he saw Stesco's face. The Witcher wanted nothing more than to find that sorcerer and deliver the punishment that had been a long time coming. But Stesco was all the way across the river, and these damned hunters were in his way. They needed to be eliminated as quickly as possible. This was what Zevo's rage told him, and it made him sloppy, inefficient. Asilla took a few cautious steps back and raised her bow again. She pulled the string back as Zevo charged forward, swinging his swords with both hands in a wide arc. His sword split the arrow, bow, string, and Asilla's chest all in one go. The hunter from Verdon uttered a small cry before crumpling. And not a moment too soon, as Zevo heard another arrow fly towards him. He turned, and the arrow buried itself into his left thigh, again catching in his plate armor. Zevo snarled and snapped the shaft with his three-fingered left hand. Devry, the final hunter, was a good distance away and knocking another arrow. Fuck off, Zevo shouted. He charged once more, throwing up mud with each footfall. Devry, like his companions, stepped back to give himself more distance. He drew another arrow and fired. Zevo knocked it away and swung his sword low, slicing Devry's leg and knocking him off his feet. He landed on his back with a crunch. Still, the hunter reached for his bow. Zevo stomped on Devry's hand, hearing bones crackle beneath his boot. Devry screamed and reached for the dagger in his belt with his free hand. Zevo stomped on his arm with his other foot. He heard Devry's arm snap, and the dagger fell from his twitching fingers. Across the river, the last of the hooded rebels stepped through the portal, leaving only Arthur and Stesco. Arthur, having watched the brief and bloody carnage, lowered his head as if in prayer. Then the troubadour stepped through the portal and disappeared. Stesco turned to follow. Before he could, Zevo roared, Stesco! I'll find you. The sorcerer turned and looked at the witcher, head tilted. Then he stepped through the portal. Zevo looked around. Jeremiah had dispatched two of the rebels and appeared to be taking out his own anger on one of their corpses, slamming his hammer repeatedly on the man's dented breastplate. 
Ethramel had killed his own pair of rebels with what looked to be a combination of fire and swordsmanship. No surprise there. The only surprise came from Silva, who killed one of the rebels by burning him alive with what appeared to be an exceedingly deadly hex. Zevo didn't remember its name, but he knew the hex's effect well enough. An unfortunate soul unable to touch metal without it burning their flesh and setting their body alight. Zevo wondered if Yana had taught her that awful piece of magic. Zevo heard Devry chuckle weakly below him. He was holding his broken arm to his chest. It bent unnaturally to the left. We're one step closer, he proclaimed. Closer to what? Jeremiah said. Abducting a frightened architect? Murdering helpless travelers on the road for supplies? Tricking and ambushing my friend? Tell me, what are you one step closer to? Devry tried to support himself on his good elbow, but winced at the effort and dropped back to the mud. Our vision of a free kingdom in the Pontar Valley. One where our chosen ruler gives a shit about us. That's a change of tone from last we met, Ethramel said. I took you for a man who didn't care who ruled, so long as you were left alone. I was. But Arthur opened our eyes, Devry said. Arthur is a great man. He spent years building this union from nothing. He's going to be a great king. Looks to me like this so-called great king abandoned you so we could escape, Silva said. We knew the risk we were taking, staying on this side of the river, Devry wheezed. His body started to shake, as if he was caught in a snowstorm. Our king asked this of us, and we happily obeyed. Where is Stesco heading? Zevo snarled. Where's Arthur heading? The hunter thought on this for ten seconds, while staring up at the sky. Liberty through union, was all he said. Zevo sunk his sword into Devry's throat, silencing him for good. His rage had not abated. 3. They took refuge in the run-down shack on the riverbank. The door nearly fell off its rusted hinge when Zevo pushed it open. Wicker crab catchers and patches of mice fur littered the floor, and the air stank of ripened fish. That little fuck, Jeremiah said, storming in after the witcher. He kicked a wicker catcher to the wall. Who in the fuck does Arthur think he is, calling himself a king? He has no idea who he's fucking with. I think Arthur knew exactly who he was fucking with, Silva said, turning one of the catchers over and sitting on it. That's how he pulled the wool over your eyes. Arthur did nothing more than... She's right, Jeremiah, Ethramel said. Arthur played the fool to great effect. You're sounding mighty calm about the whole thing, Jeremiah said. But why the hell should you care, right? It wasn't your friend that backstabbing fuck kidnapped. Arthur didn't lie to your goddamned face back in beds in Apani's manor when you asked him directly about the Gutter King. Ethramel narrowed his eyes and said slowly, do not confuse my calm tone for complacency. Yana meant a great deal to me as well. She saw potential in me, something my original mentor never did. I owe her much. We all do, Silva said, and we owe it to Armin too, that poor man. So we're going to get them back. Zevo, who had been leaning against the far wall and staring out the cracked window at the river, said, What do you mean we, witch? I don't recall you being with us. You were always Yana's tag-along. Silva tilted her head and instinctually touched the scratched silver mirror hanging from her belt. Excuse me? What gives you the right to- I saw what you did to that rebel, the witcher said. Roasted him alive with a hex. I'll not travel with another magic user. He gave Ethramel a pointed glare. 
One is more than enough. Well, that's a great way to get me on Silva's side, you ass, Ethramel said. Can't you think beyond your prejudice for one damned second? We'll need all the help we can get if we're to find Arthur. Besides, he added, Silva can always use that hex on the Gutter King. Silva tried to grin. I can't think of a better way to kill two birds with one stone, having Yana owe us one and roasting that singing prick alive. Zevo crossed his arms and said, If you think I'll trust anything she... Oh, shut the fuck up, Zevo, Jeremiah shouted. Silva has every right to want to save Yana, same as you. In fact, she has even more right than you. At least she and Yana got along. Zevo spat. Silva nodded at Jeremiah. Though I don't know how we're going to track Arthur, Jeremiah continued. The bastard teleported away. Who knows where in the hell he took Yana? Unless... He looked to Ethramel expectedly. Would you be able to track them by... I don't know, analyzing the magic left behind by their portal? Ethramel shook his head. There is no magic left behind. Once a portal closes, it can't be traced. I have no more idea where Arthur and his cowards went than you. Zevo said, We need to cross the river. And how are you going to do that? Jeremiah said. His voice had been steadily cracking, as if on the verge of tears. That fucking snake took the only boat and left it on the other side of the pontar. I can't believe I let Yana cross alone. I can't believe I... I can't... Easy, Jeremiah, Silva said. She crossed the room to pat the craftsman's back as he doubled over and gripped his side. Breathe. Just breathe for a second. It's my fault, Jeremiah muttered. So quietly, only Silva could hear him. I should have told Yana to back off. She'd have listened to me. Maybe, Silva whispered back. But nothing we can do about that now. Straighten your back. Don't forget to breathe. Jeremiah nodded, straightened his back, and said to the room, I'm sorry. You're all right, Silva said, and you bring up a good point about crossing the river. Any ideas? Ethramel coughed. Well, I may have a way, but it's risky. What's that? Zevo asked. A teleportation spell. Yana was teaching me how to create a portal that could transport others not just myself, but I've had some difficulty mastering it. Ethramel looked at each of his companions in turn. There's a non-zero chance anyone who walks through the portal will be lost in an endless void forever. I don't care, Zevo said. We have to get across. So what do you need to do? Would that I could, Ethramel said. But dispatching those rebels outside drained me of power. I'll need some time to recover before chancing the spell. How much time? Jeremiah asked. A few hours if I'm pushing it. The witcher nodded and turned back to the window. Jeremiah took a seat on one of the wicker catchers, head in his hands. Silva closed her eyes and leaned against the rotting wall. I thought there might have been more to Arthur than he was letting on, Zevo said after a long stretch of silence. Jeremiah lifted his head. When did you realize that? Back when we were hunting the griffin in beds in Aponis Mena, the witcher said. Arthur felled a harpy with a single shot of his crossbow. I thought he might have soldiered in the past. He very well might have, Ethramel said. We don't know one thing about that man's history. I guess he was never too keen to speak of himself, as much as he made it seem like he was a self-centered narcissist. Well, I know one thing about Arthur, Jeremiah said. Or at least why he captured Yana. He's after the Marstone. Ethramel tilted his head. That magic bauble she paid us to find in Cragross? The craftsman nodded. 
Yana told me about it in a lander. One of the diplomats in Mahakam worked for the Gutter King, and was after the stone. Explains why Yana was so keen to find it, Ethramel said. What does Arthur want with the Mars Stone? Zevo asked. I don't know. Why didn't you tell us about this conversation with Yana earlier? Zevo asked. It was Yana's business to share, not mine, Jeremiah said. She said she hid the Mars Stone in a secure location. Arthur will never get the info out of Yana. I know that much. She'll die before revealing its location. A small comfort, Silva said. Zevo turned on her. Did you know anything about this? Silva shook her head. First time I'm hearing about this Mars Stone. Guess Yana didn't think I needed to know. I'm a little insulted, to tell the truth. I asked Arthur what he knew about the Gutter King in Bedsin upon Ismena, and he lied to my face, Jeremiah said suddenly, as if remembering this detail for the first time. I'm going to fucking kill him. There's a cue for that, Ethramel said. I'll be spending my time on this hunt dreaming of every conceivable spell I could use to prolong Arthur's suffering. If only we knew where to start hunting him, Silva said. It's safe to assume he went deeper into the Pontar Valley, but that's a big stretch of land to cover. We're not bereft of clues, fortunately, Jeremiah said. His face was set with grim determination. He reached into his bag and pulled out the map Zevo looted from the dead gutter rebel on the Ismena River. The map with two unmarked circles in Redania. The closer of the circles is no more than two days' ride west, towards the town of Rinb. We still don't know what those circles mean, Ethramel commented. No, Jeremiah said. But whatever's there is bound to have more information about Arthur, and why he has an interest in a Tamarian architect and a sorceress. Hell, maybe Arthur will be there to tell us himself. After I've kicked in his teeth, of course. They let those words hang in the air for several minutes. Zevo watched the sun sink lower and lower, lost in his thoughts. He flinched when he suddenly noticed Jeremiah standing next to him, staring out the window. The Witcher played his surprise off. That sorcerer with Arthur, Jeremiah said. Stesco, is he the one you told me about in Kalmec? The one who gave you that star-shaped scar on your stomach? Yes, the witcher said. He's the one. Who's the one? Ethramel said from across the room. None of your business, elf. Don't raise your voice at me, Zevo, Ethramel said. For once, I feel like we all have the same goals. At least until we find Arthur and rescue our employer. We're in this together, like it or not. And if you know Arthur's personal sorcerer, well, I'd like to know what I'm dealing with. Sounds like a lot of justification to learn my personal business, Zevo said. Ethramel smiled sheepishly. Zevo sighed. Fine. That sorcerer is named Stesco Drawer, and he tricked and captured me well over a hundred years ago, when I had just started on the path, so we could experiment on a live witcher, see what made them different. For two years I was his captive. And every day since I escaped, I've dreamed of murdering him. Silva whistled. That's a long time to hold a grudge. It's justified, Zevo said. If we find Arthur, we'll find Stesco. And that's more than enough reason for me to see this through. They let those words hang in the air for several minutes. Silva's chuckle cut the silence. What's so funny? Jeremiah said. It's nothing, Silva said. I was just remembering when Yana found me waiting around her home in Edern. For days I'd survived on wild berries from her bushes and water from a cherub fountain, and my stomach didn't agree with that. I had curled up in one of Yana's shrubs, groaning like death was at my door. That's where Yana found me. And I asked, 
rather embarrassingly now that I look back on it, if she was a vengeful spirit there to judge me. Silva chuckled again. She said, I'm no spirit, but I judge like one, especially if you've shit my shrubs. Jeremiah laughed. That sounds like her, all right. When I was a teenager and caught by the city guard in Vizima for pickpocketing, I would tell them Yana was my aunt, and she'd always pick me up from jail. One time I asked her why she kept bailing me out, and she said, Because you at least have the tact not to make me your mother. Ethramel nodded and said, I'm sorry I didn't get to spend more time around her. I'd like a Yana story of my own. You'll get one, Silva said, and they left it at that. 4. All right, give me some space. Ethramel closed his eyes and took a deep breath. Even in the dark of night, Zevo noticed his hands were shaking as he made a few signs. The sorcerer muttered something, and a moment later a large portal appeared in front of him, illuminating his sweat-soaked face with a pale shade of green. Ethramel did not break his concentration and continued to mutter. A second portal opened up on the other side of the Pontar River, near the decrepit boathouse. Ethermel's eyes shot open, and he couldn't help but grin and say, I did it! I fucking did it! Do you see that? Yes, I do see it, Zevo said. Let's go. The Witcher did not hesitate. They had spent three hours sitting in that shack, and he was eager to get a move on. He grabbed Diablo by the reins and stepped through the portal with him. All of his senses went blank for a moment. He no longer heard the river no longer smelled the lingering charred flesh of that unfortunate rebel, no longer saw his companions, no longer felt the wind on his face, no longer tasted the salt of his dried mouth. In that instant, all things ceased to be. Then all his senses returned in a flurry. He saw his companions on the other side of the pontar, obviously waiting to see if he would make it through. Zevo cursed their cowardice and said, Come on. Jeremiah stepped through with Ingot and reappeared by Zevo, followed by Silva with Yana's horse, Ash. Ethramel pumped his fist in the air as he stepped through with Enye, and the portal disappeared behind him. I think Yana would be proud at my natural talent and ability to... You can tell her all about it yourself once we've tracked her, Zevo said. He mounted up on Diabol and added, Time's wasting. Let's hunt the Gutter King. That'll do it for this episode of Tales from the Witcher. This podcast is written and produced by Jacob Gerstel. The Witcher novels are by Andrzej Sapkowski, The Witcher games are by CD Projekt Red, and The Witcher tabletop RPG is by R. Talsorian Games. The music is by Eric Matias at soundimage.org. Be sure to leave a rating and a review, and to spread the word of this podcast far and wide. You can follow the podcast at Tales Witcher Pod on X or at talesfromthewitcher.buzzsprout.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again next week.